John chapter 6. We are studying through the book of John, looking at the Feast of Israel. And uh, we started off, and uh, we started back in the beginning of the book of John. What was the very first miracle that Jesus performed in the book of John? Turning the water into wine, right. And then the first Feast of Israel that we find Jesus at was what? The first Passover. So if you look up here, if you look on, on the left, on your right, I guess it is, um, I guess it's your left too. If we look at, we started with the Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. And of course, the Passover, and the first Passover, we're going to see Jesus in three Passovers. And the first Passover, does anybody remember? That was Jesus what? Anybody remember? Jesus with the people. So the first Passover was Jesus with the people. So when I ask you again in a couple weeks, what was the first Passover? You're going to tell me it was what? Okay, that was really weak. Really weak. Okay, when I ask you in three weeks about the first Passover, you're going to tell me it was? Still really weak. Now, come on, one more time. Here we go. The first Passover was Jesus with the people. Okay, so that was the first Passover that we looked at. Then we moved as we were going in the book of John. And uh, last week, the last couple of weeks, we spent some time in John chapter 5. And that was the feast that we weren't sure what it was. And then as we went through the feast and we studied it, what feast was it? Feast of Trumpets. Let's review real quick. Tell me something significant about the Feast of Trumpets. Lots of trumpets, very good. Lots of trumpets were played. The witnesses, right. There had to be two witnesses. And what did those two witnesses have to witness? The new moon. They had to come before the Sanhedrin and they had to say, this is the new moon. The Sanhedrin would have a questions that they would ask them and they would have to agree on that. So those witnesses become real important as we go through John chapter 5 because Jesus presents witnesses to what? What does Jesus present witnesses to? Who He is, exactly. That He is deity. That He is the Son of God. And as we went through John chapter 5 last week, we saw Jesus presenting His witnesses. Does anybody remember any of those witnesses? that he presented last week. John the Baptist, right. John the Baptist was a witness, okay? He came in, pro, he came in the wilderness proclaiming that one, the Messiah was coming. Who else was a witness? His works, okay? His works was a witness to what already he already did. So he was telling the Sanhedrin, listen, just look at what I've done already. I've already what? I've already turned water into wine. So the miracles that he had done, how about another witness? Good, you guys are great. What's that? The Father, exactly. The Father was a witness. Because remember Jesus' baptism? God spoke from heaven saying what? This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Love that portion of Scripture because as I said last week, you have God the Father speaking from heaven. You have God the Holy Spirit descending. And you have Jesus being baptized. Perfect picture of the Trinity there all at one time in uh, the book of John. So he was uh, the father was a witness and then somebody else said the other witness was scripture. 
So there are the witnesses. So remember, to start the Feast of Trumpets, you had to have two witnesses. How many witnesses did Jesus produce? Four. He produced four witnesses. He doubled what the Jewish people were looking for. He said, hey, I'm going to go beyond what the Jews expect of me. I'm going to give you four witnesses that I am who I say I am. I am Jesus, the Son of God in the flesh. I am God incarnate. He is claiming His deity. And as we go through the book of John, that is a very big thing that Jesus is claiming His deity to be God. So now we move into John chapter 6. And before we get into John chapter 6, um, let me just say, let me show you something here. But we're going to be looking at the second Passover. So we think of His ministry. So He went all the way around the calendar year and He is getting ready to start His second year of ministry. So remember, we're going to see Jesus at three Passovers. The fast, first Passover is what? Jesus with the people. Today we're going to look at the second Passover, and that is Jesus to the people. First one is Jesus with the people. Second one is Jesus to the people. Okay? And the third one will be Jesus for the people when He becomes the Passover Lamb. So we're looking, we're getting, when we get to John chapter 6, we're getting to the second year of Jesus' ministry. So when you think about the book of John, the first five chapters of the book of John make up Jesus' first year of ministry. We've gone all the way around our calendar year. We're now at the second Passover, which is Jesus to the ministry. And what I want to do is I sort of want to lay out for you, we're not going to get through all this tonight, uh, there's a lot in John chapter 6, but it all focuses on the Passover. But we have to understand what all's going on in this chapter to sort of get a feel for it. So I'm sort of giving you an overview this evening of John chapter 6. Um, and so the first thing I want you to see about John chapter 6 is that we're going to be in Tiberias. And I'm going to show you a map in just a few minutes. But this is going to start off in Tiberias. Look at verse 1. It says, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. There's two names, the Sea of Galilee and the Sea of Tiberias. But actually, this is taking place, probably a better translation of this, is this first scene in John chapter 6 is going to take place in the area of Tiberias. I'm going to show you this on a map in a minute, so it'll all make sense to you in just a second. So the first thing in John chapter 6 is the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to see that in just a few moments. The second thing is the scene is going to move from Tiberias, which is an, a city right off the sea, and they're going to move out onto the Sea of Galilee. The disciples are going to take those 12 baskets, going to fill it with food, fill it with the leftovers. They're going to get in a boat. Those uh, food is those baskets are going to be in between their legs. And they're starting to go out on the water. And Jesus is going to be up on the mountain this, that, at night watching them. Okay, So the second scene in John chapter 6 is on the Sea of Galilee. And this is where Jesus is going to walk on water and where Peter is going to walk on water. So that's the second scene of John chapter 6. The third scene of John chapter 6 happens the very next morning. So John chapter 6, when you think about it, takes place in a 24-hour period. 24 to 36-hour period of time 
is really what John chapter 6 takes place in. So whenever you get to John chapter 6, I would just write in my Bible over John chapter 6, 24-hour period, because that's how long John chapter 6 takes. So scene 3 takes place in Capernaum. So the night before, they get on the boat, and we'll see it here in a few minutes as we read through the Scripture. They have the encounter on the water with Jesus and Peter, and then they land the next morning. They land in the city of Capernaum. When they land in Capernaum, Jesus does what Jesus always does. It's interesting, when you follow His ministry, when Jesus arrives in town, where is the first place that Jesus seems to always go? Synagogue, that's right. He goes to the synagogue. And especially this day, because it happens to be Passover morning. So, He's going to the synagogue to celebrate Passover. The, the events that happened the day before or the day before Passover, night happens on the Sea of Galilee, and then the day of Passover begins, and he, we find him in the synagogue. The majority of the, all of the rest of John chapter 6 takes place in the synagogue, and there's this long dialogue that Jesus has that we're going to see. I don't know if we'll get to it tonight, but we're going to see this long dialogue that ties right into the Passover, that Jesus is just ripping Scripture out of the Old Testament and reiterating it right in front of the, the Jewish people who have gathered, gathered there. The first Passover was to who? It was Jesus what? With the people. The second Passover we're going to look at is Jesus to the people. And again, the reason I say it's Jesus to the people is because Jesus is going to give this very long dialogue He's, he's going to stand up in the temple and he's going to give this real long dialogue that the Jewish people are going to be riveted on. And this dialogue will be the turning point in Jesus' ministry. It will be the turning point in his ministry when he finishes this dialogue. And the best way to illustrate it would be like this morning, Pastor John preached. And at the end of his message, if you didn't like what he said, you got up and you said, that's it. I'm not going to have anything more to do with that Pastor John anymore. I'm out of here. And you just walked out and that was it. You never came back. That's what's going to happen in John chapter 6. It's a real turning point, in the, in the, the, for, especially for the followers of Christ, John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is a pivotal chapter in the life of Jesus' ministry. It all happens within, again, 24, about a 24-hour period. And then the last thing is, I want to talk a little bit about the environment of John chapter 6. So you sort of know what we're going into. And to do that, I'm going to go to this map. I know this is, this is a decent map. First thing I want you to notice is at the bottom of the map here, this big water, this big area of water is called the Dead Sea. Just to the left of the Dead Sea, up at the, up at the top, we have Jerusalem. Does everybody see that? Now, where did the first Passover, where did Jesus celebrate the first Passover? In Jerusalem. His first Passover he celebrated was in Jerusalem. Okay? So that's where he spent, you know, his, his early ministry days was down here 
and southern Judea. As we move through John chapter 5 into John chapter 6, really about halfway through that first year, Jesus' whole focus of his ministry changed. It changed from southern or from the Judea area up north to Galilee. You see Galilee up at the top there, and then the body of water that's next to that? That is the what? The Sea of Galilee. And at the bottom left-hand corner, or not sort of the bottom left-hand corner, but the bottom city there on the left-hand side is Tiberias. And then almost going straight up at the top is Capernaum. You'll see it there. So the, this takes place. Jesus' ministry in the last two or three months have all been up in Galilee. So, lots of things have happened. Again, in the Bible, we don't have all of Jesus' miracles recorded. It tells us that. So I believe that he's been up here in Galilee. He's been involved in a lot of miracles, been doing a lot of things that we don't have written in Scripture. And by this time, his popularity amongst the Jewish people has exploded. It's just exploded. And so everywhere that Jesus goes, there are just throngs of people coming to see him and to see what he's going to do. We're just talking now throngs of people, or lots of people, thousands and thousands of people. And we're going to see that as we get into John chapter 6. So the environment here is lots of people are following him. Now, not only is Jesus performing miracles, but he now has disciples who he's empowered. And these disciples are going from village to village to village. And even his disciples are doing miracles. His disciples are casting out demons. His disciples are doing some unbelievable things. So this, we might call it the Jesus movement of the first century. If you would, the Jesus movement, man, this thing has exploded. Now, where is the center of the Jewish people religiously? Where's the center for the Jewish people, their city? What's the central city? Jerusalem. This is important. Who is ruling Jerusalem at this time? The Romans. The Romans are ruling. The main body of people who are ruling in right now, the Sanhedrin, all takes place in Jerusalem. So, what has the Sanhedrin done? They've heard what's going on up in Galilee. They're pretty disturbed. Because Jesus, this man Jesus, is going all over the countryside, doing all these miracles, drawing all this attention, and they have sent people up now. They've sent some of the Pharisees and Sadducees up to listen to Jesus, to watch Jesus, to report back. And there are people making this trip up and down all the time, following Jesus and bringing reports back. Now, not only is this going on here in Jerusalem at this time, but something else has just happened in Rome. The Roman government is catching wind of this. And Herod, the Tetrarch, had just beheaded John the Baptist. So, Rome is all stirred up. They've had John on trial. They cut his head off. And so they now hear that, you know, we thought we did away with him, but now all of a sudden this person John's talked about, we thought we did away with this. Now he's up here in Galilee stirring up all this problem. So the Roman government is putting a lot of pressure on the Pharisees and the Sadducees to begin to deal with this person called Jesus. 
So when we get into John chapter 6, it is a very volatile environment for Jesus. Very volatile. People are coming up from Jerusalem, checking out what he's saying, getting into these debates with him. The Jewish people, they are all excited because they're looking for him to become the Messiah. And that's sort of where we get into John chapter 6. So we have the environment, what's going on politically and everything as we enter into John chapter 6. So let's go ahead and let's jump into to John chapter 6 here. And um, let's look at it if we would. It says, after these things, talking about what went on back in John chapter 5, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him. And I, if I, I would go ahead and circle that word multitude because that's so important. A great multitude had followed him. And uh, so there's a great number. Because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, and were diseased. So these people who were following him, they had a lot of, you know, a lot of problems and he was healing them and all of these great things were happening. And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. So, quite often in Jesus' ministry, and especially at this time, throngs of people are following him. And so he spends his day ministering to the people, and he spends his time, you know, healing and doing these things and having these encounters. And often you will find Jesus getting away, sometimes by himself, this particular occasion with his disciples, and uh, just to spend some time alone with him. Here's the key to John chapter 6. You should underline this. And the Passover of the feast of the Jews was nigh. It was on hand. Actually, this is the day before the Passover. That's the key. So that tells us we are now at Passover number 2. It is Jesus to the people. So that sort of sets the tone for the rest of the chapter. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and he saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread and these may eat? Again, a key word here is bread. You want to circle that because that's going to become a key word in this chapter, bread. Um, this whole thing is going to deal with bread. And so he, he said, where, should, where can we get? Look, there's 5,000 people. We know... Probably 5,000 men, probably as much as eight to 10,000 people totally with women and children. So, hey, that's a pretty good following, isn't it? That's a, that's a mob right now that's following Jesus. And so they've come. It must be getting towards evening, and it, they need to do something. So he asked Philip. Philip is the uh, apostle administrator, if, if you would. He's the one who administrates, keeps everything you know, sort of lined up. And uh, he was the one, if I could pick a disciple who I thought was the, the, the one who kept the administrative side for Jesus, who kept Jesus' social calendar and his, his appointment books, it was Philip. But there's also another reason that Jesus asked Philip this question. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, saw a great multitude come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread and these uh, that these may eat? This is Philip's home area. This is where Philip's from. So it makes sense that Jesus comes to him and says, hey, listen, 
we got all these people here. Hey, it's getting towards dinner. Where can we get bread enough to feed them? You know, so it would be, you know, we had a, gr- a group of people and we, you know, I know Bruce was from E-Town, so I came to Bruce and said, hey, Bruce, we need to feed all these people. Where should we feed them here in E-Town? Because what? He's from E-Town. I'm from Lancaster, so I want to talk to somebody who's from E-Town to find out where we get to, you know, how we get to feed all these people. That's why one of the reasons I think he asked Philip, because he's from this area, if anybody's going to know, it's going to be Philip. Secondly, I think because he is sort of the administrator for the group, he asked them this question. This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already knew. Philip answered him, We have 200 penny worth of bread. It's not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Now, two penny worth of bread would be enough bread to buy, at that time, 20 biscuits. Just think about it for a second. It would be enough to buy 20 biscuits. That's what you could buy back during that time. For So we have 5,000 people. We have 20 biscuits. You know, we could buy 20 biscuits. That's not going to go real far, is it? It's not going to be a, you know, it's not going to be a whole lot to be able to help us here. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? So here's Andrew. He comes and he said, Hey, listen, hey, I, I found this boy. He's got this small lunch. You know, he's got these five barley loaves, he's got these two small fishes, but you know, how are we going to feed 5,000 people? Or how are we going to feed all these people with that little bit of a lunch? There's no way we're going to be able to do this. And so, you, you know the story as well as I do. And Jesus said, make them men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they would. Now, it's interesting. I, I just want to back up for a minute because, I again, remember, how many Gospels are there? Four. All four Gospels tell the same story, but they just give you a little different view and a little bit different information. So when you take all four Gospels and you look at this portion of Scripture, there's some interesting things that come out of this thought. Uh, when you compare all four Gospels, we have an impressive list of what I call negatives. We went back to Luke. It's not the right place. That's what they say. It's not even the right place. It says, for we're here in the desert. So the first negative about this situation is disciples say, hey, Jesus, this isn't even the right place to feed all these people. In Luke chapter 9, verse 13, they said what? It's, it's not enough bread. So we, don't need, we, we need more than five loaves. In uh, John chapter 6, verse 7, they say, hey, there's what? There's not enough money. So we have not the right place, not enough bread, not enough money. And uh, in the book of Matthew chapter 14, it says, send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. We don't even have enough manpower to feed all these people. And then in Matthew chapter 14, verse 15, they say the time is too late. So there's not even enough time. So, hey, you look at this scene and you look at all four Gospels. It is so neat because the disciples say this. This is a horrible situation, Jesus. Don't you realize? This is just horrible, Jesus. We don't have enough manpower. We don't have enough time. 
We don't have enough money. We don't have enough bread. We don't have enough anything. We might as well just give it up. What are we going to do, Jesus? Now, can I remind you something? Have you ever been in your, gone through your life and just said, Jesus, man, where are you? Jesus, how am I going to, how am I going to get through this situation again? You ever been like where the disciples are? I think I end up there a lot of times. And the reality of this is, let me remind you, what have the disciples been watching Jesus do? Miracles. There's a mob following him because of his miracles. There, I mean, there's just people all over following him. And here the situation. They're, man, Jesus, this is impossible. But they forgot so quickly that they were serving the God of the impossible. And so listen, next time you think, oh man, Jesus, this situation, what, what am I going to do? This is an impossible situation, Jesus. I'm never going to get through this. Just remember, Jesus loves negative situations. Everything was negative about this situation when you put the four Gospels together. But as usual, what does Jesus do? He delivers, doesn't he? Jesus always delivers. And, and he does that here as you get into this because he provides for them. And uh, when they were filled, verse 12, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above them that had not eaten. Again, let me just remind you something of here. Jesus didn't come to minister to the rich. He came to minister to the poor and to the brokenhearted. And the interesting thing about this portion of Scripture is that barley loaves were the bread of the poor. These were probably sardine fish. These weren't, you know, nice big fish. These were little fish. These were little sardines that were caught in the Sea of Galilee. They represented the fish of the poor man. And then it says that they, what? When Jesus saw, or excuse me, at the end, they took all 12 of these and they put them in what? In the baskets. And you know what baskets were? They were willow or wicker baskets. Baskets were the vessels of the poor. So you have the bread of the poor, you have the fish of the, the meat of the poor, and you have the baskets of the poor. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me that Jesus came to minister to the downcast. Jesus came to minister to the poor of this world. And so here we've got the meat, the bread, and the baskets of the poor in this portion of Scripture right there. You know what happens here? They collect them up. They collect all the, the 12 baskets. The, the disciples get in the boat. They put the baskets between their legs, and they start off across the sea. And Jesus is up on the hillside watching them. They begin to go across the sea. The storm comes up, and they get all upset. They get all worried. And again, I remind you, what, what is between their legs? The baskets filled with what? The bread. And how quickly they forget, don't they? Again, there's, and I say this all the time, there's no deity in the Bible except Jesus himself. The disciples were just like you and I are. And they, they watched Jesus in the flesh, and they still struggled with this thing of trust. 
And so, you know, don't beat up on yourself too, too bad when you struggle with trusting Christ. The disciples had a hard time trusting Christ in the midst of a storm. They've just watched them feed 5,000 people. They got the leftovers in between their legs, and already they're panicking. Now, that's, this all isn't in the book of John. Again, you have to read the other four Gospels to get all that information. That's what they're doing. They're panicking, so Jesus sees them panicking. He, and the interesting thing, he lets them panic for a little while. And Jesus walks out onto the water, and that's where, that's not here in John. We find it over in the book of Luke. That's where Peter gets out of the boat and goes to meet Jesus. Found actually in Matthew chapter 14. It's where Peter walks on water, and uh, that's where this happens here. It's not, it doesn't tell us that in the, in the book here. There's that encounter of all those things. You can read it in John about the, the baskets and the, the disciples worrying, the trust factor. You can read in Matthew about Peter walking on water. But all of that takes place here on the Sea of Galilee on that evening, right after Jesus feeds the 5,000 before Passover morning. The day, um, verse 21, then they willing received him into the ship and immediately the ship was at the land whether they went or where they were going. The day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there save that one whether two his disciples were entered and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat but that his disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias nigh unto the place where they did eat bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took uh, ships and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. So what happened? People went down to the shore the next morning. They saw, oh, hey, did you hear Jesus? The disciples left during the night, but Jesus wasn't on the boat. Well, where did he go? I don't know. And then all of a sudden, somehow, news got around real quick that Jesus had been up in Capernaum. So what happens? A lot of these people, lots of these 5,000 people got boats, got ferries, whatever. I don't know how it all worked, but they what? They hightailed it across the Sea of Galilee over to Capernaum. So now we have all these people arriving by boat the very next morning, which is what day? Passover. It's Passover morning. And all of these people have arrived in Capernaum along with Jesus. And everybody's excited. It's Passover. It is it's a time still for, for Jews to celebrate. They they've, have come, and it says in verse 25, And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, whence comest thou hither? Why did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. You're, you've come just for more food, not even just for the miracles now. Then there's going to be this long dissertation that's going to start here in verse 26 and go all the way through to verse 58. And I want you to skip to verse 59 because it gives you the context of where all of this talk happens. Because we just it just says they found they says they got to the other side of the sea and they said unto him, so but where did they find him? That's the important part. You have to go to verse 59. These things said he where? In the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. You don't pick that up unless you read the whole chapter. All you think is they're on the seashore of Capernaum there and Jesus is talking. No, 
where they found Jesus was in the synagogue. It's Passover morning. Let me tell you, the synagogue would have been thronged. So get this scene. You've got all the Jewish people gathered around. They're all excited it's Passover. So you have Jews who've come to the synagogue simply for the purpose of Passover. Then you've got all these Jews who've come from where? Yeah, Tiberius. And they've all come by ship. Some of them might have been traveling during the night. Some of them got up early in the morning. And that whole crew is there. So you got the Jews from Capernaum who are there at the synagogue. you got the whole mob who's come over, half the 5,000. This isn't a big area. Probably the synagogue is run over by now. you got all these people there. And now Jesus stands up and He begins to speak. And it's going to be exciting what He's going to say. And I mean, this is going to be so exciting. And the neat thing is, I'm not going to tell you for three weeks. Because next week, we have a speaker. The next week is trunk or treat. So it's going to be November 6th. I'm sorry. But it's going to be November 6th before we're going to know what happens. Unless you read it, of course. But it's exciting. It is. Because he is going to take the Old Testament man and he is going to make Passover live. He's going to go back and he's just going to start ripping verses out of the Old Testament, bringing them right to where they are, talking how he's the bread of life, talking about this bread, talking about he, how the bread is broken. And he's going to go into all this thing about bread from the Old Testament. Because everybody, listen, every Jew who'd gathered there had been reading from the Torah. They had been reading, preparing for Passover. And we're going to see all these verses next week that they're reading, and you're going to see that this whole chapter that we're going to look at, Jesus' speech, is all verses that are compared to the verses that they're reading right now for Passover. And I mean, He is going to just bring it right down to them. And even at the end, He's going to challenge His disciples. Do you guys really believe that I am who I say I am? I leave you with this mob in the synagogue and Jesus standing up ready to speak. And we'll see what he's going to say in three weeks. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Word of God. It is so exciting. It just lives, Lord. It lives. And especially when we begin to study it through the Feast of Israel. God, it is so alive to us. And, and even to these Jewish people that are going to hear you speaking in the synagogue, and sharing, Father, and just bringing it right to where they are. And even those Sadducees and Pharisees who were there, who made that trip from Jerusalem to, to hear you, Lord, you're going to bring it right home to them, how you are the bread of life. How you, Father, are better even than the manna that Moses and the people of Israel enjoyed in the wilderness that You are the living bread and the living water that they need to drink of and that they need to eat of. So Father, I pray, Lord, that even we would take the time to read and, and that portion would come alive to us as we think about it. In Your name we pray. Amen.